I'm just really careful not to like take you know take this stuff for granted. You know, I feel really thankful to be here. So I think that's that's a, that's a big um, cornerstone of how I how I work and how I want to work. You know, is loving this stuff and being proud of it. Episode 63, March 2015. In this episode, Aaron Draplin from the Draplin Design Company talks about junking and research, field notes, people he considers masters in graphic design, and what he considers nectar in his creative work. What is junking? It's going, you know, what do people do for fun? You know, they go and go to malls and go shop for shit they don't need and whatever else. And what do I do for fun? Well, you know, my funnest sort of, you know, memories in the last bunch of years are going to antique malls or going on a trip where you go to the world's longest, you know, yard sale, they call it, out of Ohio all the way down to Alabama and have four days to just look at, well, junk on the side of the road, right? Some of it has value. Some of it is just, you know, it's basically just junk, garbage, like you can't even use it. And yet, that is just really beautiful to me because there's such a, you know, there's such a, you know, such a turnover of stuff in this country. And yet, you know, just so much stuff just filled in landfills and stuff. And there's, when you go see all this stuff on the side of a road, it's like, it's like you're looking in a time capsule, you know? And you're looking back to a scary time, number one, like a freaky time where like, you know, I don't ever want to go back to 1950, man. America was, was, was worse, worse off for itself, you know. But yet there was something, you know, really uh, charming about the work and charming about the clarity and charming about the restraint, you know. And these forms are very fresh to me even from that far ago, because everything is so complicated. It's a bigger metaphor of slowing yourself down. So to go junkin' is to go look at old stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Might be an estate sale, where people are just trying to get rid of everything, or it might be going to, yeah, an antique mall, or a, a, a junk store, or some modern store, to just to see, you know, these sort of old artifacts. They're built so much better, they're built in such a different way, and um, it's like, it's no different to me than going to like a museum, you yeah. know? Um, maybe you can't take pictures there, but you know when you're out junking, you can take pictures of all that stuff for free, you know, and bring them home and use them in your life, you know, which is really interesting to me. So, do you think it's kind of your quote secret for improving and learning from past masters? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily a secret. It's just something I was raised around. I was raised by my my mom and dad who. My dad had an incredible appreciation for this old stuff, you know, and taught us to look at it and taught us to, to love it and taught us to sort of savor some old sign to say, God, look at how beautiful it was built. And they don't make it like that anymore. Why? Because they want to save money, so they do it this way. And then the things, you know, what do we have? We have die-cut signs that are flapping on the side of some building, you know. So it's like... I was raised in that stuff to apply that to my job. It was a very natural thing, you know, to say, how do you get inspired? How, where do you look to uh, things you love? I mean, I grew up loving that stuff, and then to go and start making design, well, what was cool in 1998 to look at, it was all this postmodern bullshit, you know? And I tried my hand at it, and it never felt right. It felt like fashion. It felt like art for the sake of art. And then people were writing books and 
grad design students and shit were getting degrees over it and stuff. And where is it now, all these years later? It's just, you know, whatever. You know, it's just like vapor. It's gone. It had to happen, sure. But in 1998, I loved stuff that made sense. I loved stuff that worked, you know, 50 years or 30 years or 10 years before. And they didn't look like all that stuff. So how does that apply now? It still applies. You know, is that a secret? I don't think so. I, I think that we have eyes and as collectors and, and people who look at things. I think designers should go look at where they came from, you know. Yeah. It's not to be retro. Let's be very, very clear about that. Sometimes, sure, that's what the project calls for. But other times it's just really to draft off, you know, things that are beautifully functional. You know, that's all. How else do you do your research? Well, you jump on the web, you know. You jump on the web and you go look at the world. You go look at how things look on, you know. Like right now I'm doing a supermarket logo for this beautiful little supermarket up in, up in Vermont. Uh -huh. And to go and look at how they touch the world, which would be through their social media, what their store looks like, what their signs look like, the needs that they have graphically, and then go and look at their competitors I'm just, you know, it's like you can even go on Google Earth. I went on Google Earth and just drove around their town, you know. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? Just to see what their parking lot looked like versus the parking lot across the street, you know. Mm -hmm. And to see how big their sign was. And to see how vibrant their colors were. And, you know, did it feel, you know, corporate or did it feel homegrown or whatever, you know. And that's just looking. You know, if I was lucky enough to go travel there and go meet them, um, it'd be the same thing, just taking notes, taking photos, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I love that part. I love getting to know the problem and getting to know the, the process and getting to know what they're up against. That's a really interesting thing to me, you know? Can you start or work on a project without building that sort of context? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I look at it as like, it's just, you know, if everybody's going with red logos in this little sub, sub, sub genre, then don't do a red logo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, unless it's totally successful to to what you need it to be, you know, it's like, it's just good to go and take a look, you know, just to get a, a fam just to familiarize yourself with kind of what you're up against. I mean, isn't that what we were all taught? You go and learn, you know, what the thing means and what the history is and uh, who their competitors are and what their initiatives are and what their concerns are and what their, you know, the fast parts and the slow parts and all this kind of stuff. I think I find it all really interesting. I don't think you need to spend three weeks on it. I think you can do it over the course of a couple of days and familiarize yourself with what things look like and get going. What can you tell us about field notes and how do you use them for your work? I'm in front of two monitors right now, a phone that's buzzing, um, a laptop that's constantly got email whipping in, and it's like we are so distracted, you know, so distracted. So these little field notes, first of all, help me chart my day, and, and my hand... Like I'm sketching a logo, you know, before we were talking, I was sketching, working on this logo. I'm sketching in my field notes. That's my record of my ideas. You know what I mean? So it really is this very tangible piece of, well, paper as a way for me to kind of like formulate how to make a line work or how to make a shape work or how to make this logo spirit feel right. You know, it's like architecture or something for me, like to build the logo in Illustrator. That's very... Um, points and vectors and stuff but the big idea that was figured out on, on you know making notes and and listening to the client that was figured out on paper you know and then you go execute wherever you're going to execute be it you know if you're a guy who builds it in wood you go build it in wood 
you don't really design it along the way. You design it on the paper, kind of. You know what I mean? So the refinements and stuff that come out of Illustrator, sure, that's where I get cooking, you know, and I start like, you know, option drag, option drag, and I have this big pile of stuff. And then, you know, I refine the things down. But if I get stuck, I go back to paper, you know. In regards to your creative work, I've heard you're talking about nectar. What do you consider nectar? The nectar. Ooh, it's yeah. such a juicy, like, golden, sticky little thing that you start thinking about. You know, so in essence, you know, maybe essence is the better word, you know? Like, mm -hmm. like what's the essence of what I do? You know, I don't know. You know, what's the nectar of this stuff? It's like... It's loving what you do, you know, loving what you work, the, the highs and the lows, too. Sometimes the clients can get a little rough and always having the perspective that you're, <laughs> you should be thankful that you even get to do this work, you know. Absolutely. That's always coming back to haunt me, that the moment that I start to be this little windbag who's like, oh, I have to work late or I wanted to go home. And what do I do when I go home? I go home and like watch some tube or something or or whatever, you know, um, work on a chore around the house or, or work more, you know, it's like, I'm just really careful not to like, take, you know, take this stuff for granted. You know, I feel really thankful to be here. So I think that's, that's, a, that's a big, um, cornerstone of how I, how I work and how I want to work, you know, is loving this stuff and being proud of it, you know? And then I think the other thing is, not, not, not allowing myself to get caught in all the little constraints, you know, the constraints of like, I can't do this kind of work because it's not profitable. I have no rules like that in my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if I want to make something, I make it. If it's just for my own entertainment, I can do that. If it's to make a fun poster to try to sell and make a little bit of, you know, a little bit of coin off of it. I can do that too. If it's for a logo for a big band and you're going to make good money and there's, you know, like a CD and a design and a record album cover and you're going to make all this money, you know, whatever, or it's your buddy and you get paid 500 bucks because you made them all promise 100 bucks from each guy in the band, you know, mm -hmm. I, that, I can do that too. I'm so proud of that, you know. I'm not held down to just like having to go after the work that makes me more, you know what I mean? Who are the people you consider masters in your craft? Um, or any craft that you like? The masters. Oof. Yeah, well, you know, um, you know, these big logo guys, Saul Bass and Paul Rand, just the, 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 the quality of... Um, you know, corporate's a weird word, especially in this town. I've been misquoted a couple times with that, and that's, you know, that's by some little insipid little worm who can take, you know, uh, a couple words and and put them on his Twitter and try to make me into some monster. It's just, it's just, it's just unfortunate. But it's like, there's a beauty to corporate design, you know. And it's not maybe the corporate design now, which is, you know, that like, it's like the idea of like making things legible for everyone. There's, there's a beauty in that democratization, to me. You know, too bad it's always used for an ominous purpose. But that's not what I did or do or, or would condone. It's like the idea that design you know, coming from off of the filigree and coming off of the ornate quality of, you know, some Victorian age, how many years ago? 120 years ago. And to th see things refine, 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 all the way up to 1960 where you saw Helvetica come on, when well, no, 61 was it? Helvetica come on the scene and be this very orderly, beautiful, modernist gesture of like, you know, um, just makes sense to me. Like that helped humanity clarify shit. 
So to look at like these big logo guys, you know, your Paul Rands or your, you know, obviously I love Saul Bass, but you know, Ono Likers or, 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 you know, there's, there's just so many of them, but it's like, um, there's just something about that path and how it, how it sort of like, it's beautiful to me that stuff worked in 1960 and still works now. And yet when I'm making the logo now, I'm trying to draft off the success of what those guys did, which was be really clear, you know, and have this beautiful little mark. And yet we're in this world where everything has to work in a Twitter avatar, you know, tiny, in a little tiny Instagram. And yet that's not how we're designing. We're designing these big, beautiful things that go on a corner of a website, you know, and, and the shit looks like it. So there's some lessons back there that still really beautifully apply to what we're in today, you know, and, you know, I don't know. That's like, I don't know. Is it is simple to distill all of that time frame from a war-torn Europe into, you know, an America that had to rebuild itself into an America that like glazed over everything with this fake 50s bullshit of like, you know, everything's okay, everything's perfect, you know, all these bullshit archetypes of like, the guy works this, the woman does this, the kids look like this. It's like, it was just a big old like Hollywood, you know, presentation. And out of that came, that just wasn't going to work. You know, it was too hard to make a 57 Chevy, you know. And out of that came refinements in graphics, in culture, in, you know, bands. People started saying that shit sucks. They weren't afraid to say that shit sucks and stand up against a war or whatever the hell it was. Well, you know, I, I see that those same movements in design. I studied that stuff. I, I thought that was interesting to see, you know, whatever was going on in the pushpin era, which might have been Seymour Schwass, all those guys, I mean, whatever that whole, we'll just call this era of like heavy illustration in the 70s and stuff. There was a look and a feel to all that 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 time. There were still logos being developed for like a racquetball ball company or something, right? And they were beautiful and simple, and it said racquetball and it had a racket. You know what I'm saying? Whatever the example is, that's what those guys got from the refinements of the 50s and 60s and you know early 70s, whatever. They got that sort of language. It still applies today. I think we just lost it. Do you think that resulted in a kind of honesty visually? Well, yeah. I mean, it's very straightforward. And I think that's, you know, when you look across the world now and you see a logo that resonates, that's what they are. That's, that's pure to me, you know. But if something calls for being beautiful and ornate, then that's what it calls for. And you design against that. It's not about making everything some weird utopian, thick-lined you know, sameness. No, 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 no. I'm charged with, I'm like, you know, challenged with like um, making logos easier to look at and cleaner to, you know what I'm saying? Making them easier to read, making things. So I look back at the guys that did it so well, you know? Mm -hmm.